It's the setup. I'm Chris Grace. I'm John Accardo. This is our <laughs> third take at this intro. We're a little out of practice making this podcast. Yeah. It's uh, August 6, 2020. You right. said it was 1140. It's 1140. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it'll be it'll be August 7th in about 20 minutes. And uh, yeah, if, if this week has been anything for you like it's been for me, your day tomorrow is going to be wildly different from your day to day. Uh, all of our oh. days are completely different and changing and not at all similar, all memorable. Things are great. It's been a good year uh, overall, I think. Things have gone pretty well across the board. <laughs> yeah, so I turned 26 in January, and a friend of mine turned 26 uh, about two weeks ago. And I said to her, well, if the first six months of your 26 year or anything like the first six <laughs> months of mine, let me tell you, they're a yeah. real letdown. <laughs> What's crazy is I believe it was this year that I went to Magi Fest in Columbus, Ohio. Oh, that would have been in January, right? Yeah. And uh, it's very strange. Can you imagine the next time? I don't mean to be start so quickly uh, as a downer, um, but can you imagine the next time you'll be comfortable in a setting like that with that many people? I mean, I'll be comfortable when there's a vaccine, basically. I don't know really that I'll be comfortable before then. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah uh, uh, the, the biggest news, I guess, in that front is that um, so several big things have all, have all big events have all canceled and gone to 2021 20, Magic Live. That was a few months ago. This is pretty old news. But then even you know, outside of Magic, interestingly enough, FISM, um, I'm not exactly sure their reasoning, but FISM actually canceled their 2021 convention. Mm-hmm. And are uh, uh, push, pushing it back to 2022. Um, I know that uh, Eric Eswin, a former FISM president, actually called for the halting of that. He said he just called for the halting of any large conventions in 2021, um, not having faith that, uh, uh, especially for, I, I imagine it, I wonder if it's different for like international events. That must be a whole different thing um, and a whole different. Yeah, I mean, but also because they need uh, a lead up to for people to qualify, don't they? Yeah, well, and I don't. Yeah, I don't know how that works now because there are people who qualified and already. I don't know if like it. I, I think, I think just qualifying be... was pretty much done. I, I I really don't know. Oh, I thought that during this year there were like competitions you were supposed to. Weren't you supposed what? to enter these so you would win next year? Uh, no, you know, no. I, well, I was. I didn't do them, but that that competition in North America already happened. Um, oh, so those people. So part of me is wondering, like, if they push it back a year, are they going to like redo it? Can I sneak in? Can I slide in? Mm. Um, that would be that would be great. But uh, but 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 no. Uh, how have you it's, been in these last? It's few like, weeks? oh, go ahead. In the last what? Few weeks? Few three, weeks? Three in the last three years? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've been fine. You sent me a Jackie U video. Jackie oh. U has um, really increased the number of videos that he posts. Yes, he posts. I a will lot. say. Um, apparently some of them have gone a little bit viral. Oh yeah. That, I did actually didn't see that from his page. I believe, I think I, uh, oh, that was Shin on a, Lim. yeah, yeah. Shin yeah. Lim, you know, say what you will about Shin Lim. Shin Lim does, um, lift up other magicians. He does. It's you know, very nice. Um, most notably a bunch of Asian magicians. Yeah. Um, um he featured, um, um, Eddie and them, uh, yeah. Andy, Eddie and Jeffrey on one of his videos. Um, he featured shoot on a video at one point. Yeah, oh, that's right. He did. Um, uh, shoot. I don't know if you saw this on my Facebook has an interesting project coming. Um, uh, and that is he's filming magic with a 360 degree camera. Whoa. Yeah. Um, so it's like um, shoot versus a 360 degree camera. So wait, uh, you, are you the, is, is the camera like your perspective? Yeah. And you can look wherever you want. 
Oh, so there's so, a question of like uh, angles and stuff. Right, exactly. Um, Neat. Uh, yeah, so that, that, that's that's all fun. Um, if, um, uh, we haven't done an episode in a while, so if first off, if you're one of the people that's it's been a few you know a few months, I guess since we've done an episode. If you're one of the people that's been itching for a new episode, first of all, uh, your name is Rob Belchunas, and Rob, <laughs> uh, I hope you're doing well. Second of all, um, specifically, um, when we were we had a couple weeks where we were interviewing people. And Rob sent me a message in the midst of all that. And I said, next time we do a two-person e- episode, I will mention these things. And it's been very, very month, and I had to dig through the messages. He was responding um, to uh, our World's Greatest Magicians from the Magic Castle episode. Oh, uh, yes. Um, so I just a couple corrections that nobody asked for, or at least uh, um, <laughs> he sent me this message on April 28th. Um, uh, Rob, I'm, gonna, I'm keeping my promise to you. Um, if he doesn't listen to this, this would be really embarrassing. First thing he said was that I had predicted that this was, I was kind of shitty about it. I thought that this was like, um, a, uh, uh, like a knockoff of the world's greatest magic specials that John Ritter hosted. Um, mm-hmm. he said that this actually came six years before the world's greatest magic specials. So I was wrong there. Um, anyway, isn't uh, Rob Belchunas like 25 years old or something? Uh, I think Rob Belchunas, as far as I'm aware, is a like ageless immortal being i mean maybe he just looks really young but i'm just saying like he seems very worldly and knows a lot about this stuff he does he he does know a lot about a lot of stuff i think he is a bit older i actually have no idea well, um, Rob, which will be a fun sweepstakes um we will send you uh um uh we'll, we'll send you something i'll send you a, some fun i'm gonna send you this half empty uh a can of uh watermelon Lacroix if you can accurately guess rob altunas's age mm-hmm. um Many have tried. No one has succeeded, as far as I know. Uh, they say uh, the the true information was lost uh, centuries ago. Um, he there was a magician um, who we thought uh, we couldn't identify where they were. He said he's pretty sure he was at the Vernon table because you can see the doorway to the main bar. Uh, he commented on Rudy Kobe's four legs routine and that he mm. thinks it's more of a visual optical illusion, kind of like the face vase thing or Foz Vaz thing. That's terrible joke. We're going to cut that out. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you can see it one way or the other. I commented that there was a guy who I really liked named Steve Spill who had a weird thing with a duck. I don't remember this. And he had like this weird jazzy thing and I couldn't tell if it was like a like this weird character with the big sunglasses. Oh, um, yes, yes, yes. So Steve Spill actually was the original owner of the Magicopolis Theater and did his own show there for 20-something years, which has just recently sold off to Randy Sennett Jr. and I believe is currently owned by him um, and booked by uh, John Armstrong. Um, and uh, This is the one in, like, Santa Monica or something? Yeah, this is the Santa Monica. Okay. Um, uh, so uh, anyway, that's that's uh, um, th- those are all my updates on Rob Belchunas. Uh, Rob, you're in Connecticut right now. Hope you're doing well. Rob um, Belchunas in charge of the errata section. He of really, our yeah, podcast. he really keeps me. He really keeps me honest, um, and and I felt he deserved some uh, shout out to that. So, other um, than that, I wanted to give a little bit of news, which is um, I would recommend the Vanishing Ink lectures that they're okay. doing. Okay, I haven't checked those out. Uh, they are doing every Sunday. It's fifty dollars a month. Okay, which I guess is it's weird how price anchoring works because like. I think that that's not that much for four lectures from Aussie Wind, right? But it, but fifty dollars a month does feel like a lot for a virtual subscription. Yes, it does. It's, yeah, especially when you're doing that in like a one payment thing, and you see yourself paying fifty dollars. But yeah, but if you got four two ninety minute to two hour lectures from Aussie Wind for fifty dollars, that doesn't seem expensive. so. Is it the same? So 
is it like the same person week by week for a month and they change it monthly? I'm how not sure how it's it? working. So in the month of August, every it's four weeks of Luke Germay. So I just Got watched it. the first Luke Germay one yesterday. Cool. Um, I've watched the master three classes are calling them. Yeah. Uh, the, the Aussie win one was a little more like a regular lecture, although it was still, you know, doing a trick and explaining it, but also talking about theory. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Luke Germay one, the very first um, episode was all theory, no tricks. Uh, so it was interesting. Also, I will be able to refine my Luke Germay. Oh, yeah. Impression. I bet you have a whole month to really study <laughs> A whole month. Um, can you give people a taste of the Luke Germay? I have never done. <laughs> I, I wouldn't say that I've done more than two professional close-up performances. That's just not my uh, my repertoire. I've, I see myself as more of an artist. <laughs> that's that's great. about it. That's great. Uh, it's very nasal. Um, so I recommend that. Also, I asked a question of Asi Wind and actually I asked a question and then I had to leave the lecture cause I had something else to do. Oh, are they so live do- lectures? Yeah. They're live lectures. Oh, yeah. I thought they, okay. Uh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. They're, they're zoom ish recordings or whatever. That's really like what? 1250 a lecture, right? Yeah. That's not that bad. It's not bad. I mean, they take questions from the audience. Mm-hmm. Uh, I asked a question and I actually wasn't able to stick around for the answer, but my question was, could Vanishing Ink and Aussie Wynn re-release Gypsy Queen? Mm. Uh, do you know that trick? I don't. The, uh, uh, this is... Uh, but the a, idea a, of a lost Aussie Wynn trick approached my interest. Yeah, I believe it's like somebody sucks a card uh, and he's going to... Oh, I forgot what the language is around it. But basically, like, he doesn't find your card. He finds the queen of clubs or whatever. And it's, oh, this is the, this is not a regular queen. It's the gypsy queen. And the gypsy queen is holding the person's card. Gotcha. In her hand. It's, yeah. uh, this is actually came up when Harrison's FU trick came up because gypsy queen was often mentioned as like prior art as to why, you know, it was a similar principle as Harrison's. I don't really know. If that's oh, okay. Right. Um, or actually, I don't know if they were talking about Harrison's or if they were talking about the FU2 version, which right. was like, you find something and it's got fine print listing the card. Anyway, mm-hmm. it's a, it's a, the video of Aussie doing it. Gypsy Queen is really cool. Pretty much anything he does is pretty cool. Yeah, and right. Gypsy Queen was not available. And I got an email like two days ago saying that they're, they're republishing it. So I ordered that. Great. And that's pretty much been the extent of my magic exposure, except what we're going to talk about today. I haven't yeah. done a lot. I've, I'm pretty sure most of my mnemonica has gone. Okay. I, 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 the, uh, the other day I did sort of test myself. I'm like, do I still remember it? And I do. Yeah. It's not, qu- the muscle isn't as strong as it once was, but I, kn- I still know it. Okay, cool. Uh, and actually based on the Asia Wind Vanishing Ink lecture, I did buy this, uh, which it's been so long since I ordered it and it arrived. I don't remember why I ordered it, but I believe in the Aussie wind lecture, he does his take on how he presents this trick, which I'm showing you in zoom. Can you read that? Or is it tamed cards? The ingenious wild card effect from the master of magic is back. Yeah. This is a Tommy wonder effect that card shark has released. And now I don't actually remember what the effect is because I feel like I ordered it nine years ago, even though it was three (laughs) weeks ago. Uh, does that have something to do with mnemonica? Or, I, I don't want to spoil this. No, no, no. Is this I an unrelated thing? It's unrelated, sorry. Gotcha. I'm just, I'm just summing, summing up the things that I've done that are magic related. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. 
Um, well, I look forward to hearing a review on that. I haven't done a whole lot of magic-related stuff either. I actually had a, uh, um, I've taken away from magic for a bit. I had a job for a couple weeks. Whoa. Um, I had a job in a restaurant of all places. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I know. Yeah. I, well, I'm not there anymore. Um, for exactly that reason. Um, <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, there was a restaurant, um, uh, it was um, that, that was. Was uh, this a magic job at a restaurant? It was not. It was not. Okay. It was, it was uh, um, bartending. Um, Ooh. Um, it, yeah. And so I was there for a few weeks. I actually really enjoyed it. I really liked doing it. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, uh, I won't get into too much, but then health reasons, you know, <laughs> th- 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 those dynamics changed a little bit. And yeah. uh, and then um, the idea of, of being at a restaurant, even as safe as, as it was or was not, you know, um, mm-hmm. And they're definitely doing their part to, to, to try to stay safe and stuff. It just felt like, oh, this, yeah, this is probably still uh, too risky for me, myself, and my family. Um, so then I left, but I, I did enjoy it. Uh, I did, I did magic once for people while I was there, oh. and it was the first time I'd done magic in a room with actual people in like six months, and it was great. I really missed it. It was really, really enjoyable. I think I did that the cups and balls with gloves on. <laughs> Oh, whoa. Like a little, you're the Cardini of uh, Cups and Balls? I'm basically Cardini. Yeah, I'm, I'm essentially Cardini. He probably did Cups and Balls, right? <laughs> oh, I don't know. But I mean, probably at one point. Those... Um, Fun fact the... about Cardini, do you know why he wore gloves when he performed? Because uh, he was actually an African-American man. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> in right. In white face. He was in white face and he couldn't let anybody know, but he could never get the hands right. Because um, yeah. uh, It's because he learned... Um, card manipulations in the trenches in World War One, and it was so uh-huh. cold that he was always wearing gloves. And so that's how oh. he learned it. Some fun you know, trivia for you. All. My husband and I have been watching the best pictures in yes. sequence. Yeah. And you would, like, do you want to see, like, four movies in a row about World War One? Then watch oh. the, the best picture movies. I bet, yeah. Uh, I did want to show, I showed you this before, but this was the, the other thing I got. I was about to ask you about this. This is a yes. weird, I, yeah, I'm excited to see this. Again. I sent you a video of this. This is a, I've got a, what, um, a King of Clubs and a Queen of Hearts. Yeah. Two cards. I have to hold it up for the zoom. You guys yeah. are missing this. And then uh, if you just, there's a specific spot. If you just saw them back and forth. Wait, you're out of frame again. Go higher. Oh, yeah. There you go. And then it really appears as if the cards are like intersecting with each yeah, other. Yeah. It looks like the red card is sawing through the blue card. Yeah. And it's, uh, if you now... I don't know how this works really, but it's really like you can get it to a certain spot where it's like, Oh, this really is. Yeah. Know. It's like, yeah. Like the queen is basically all the way through the blue card entirely. Both sides. And then you can just like that. Yeah. And then you just pull it right out. That's just really like cool. That. What is and that? You got, this is Hondo. The, one of the very first tricks I ever bought was by Hondo. And this is uh, intersection. Got it. Uh, um, is this that is a great. This I actually don't know. I might have gotten this from Penguin. Gotcha. Um, Do you like it? Yeah, it's fun. It's actually a great thing for Zoom because it's just very visual. Right. And uh, I don't know. Like I see this kind of stuff as more like a toy than I don't know. I don't like really tricks. Yeah, I don't know if I see this really as magic in the same way. Right. Um, uh, does it look good live? Yeah, it looks just like the what you saw. It, that's exactly what it looked like live. That's great. Like there's, and there's like, I have to protect a little angle of it, but mm-hmm. not very much. Um, and uh, the other thing I got was, I haven't really looked into it much is the uh, matrix art by Michael Chatelaine, mm, okay. uh, French cool. guy. And that's a uh, matrix with the holes on a card. Yes. Have you seen that? The yes, four- I have. It's great. Um, 
Have you actually seen how it's built? No, I haven't. And you're, oh I'm going to make God. you show me. Uh, I don't have it right here with me. I will show you eventually. But like, it, I, I would yeah, encourage off everyone. Mic, gonna walk me through the build of that thing. I would encourage anyone to. Okay, so the Hondo intersection that I just showed you, he gives you more supplies. You can actually build it yourself. I don't. I mean, it's kind of a pain in the ass. I don't know if I would. But if you wanted to use a different card for this thing that I just showed you, you could. The matrix art thing, I don't know how I would ever fucking build the thing. Right. Uh, it is, I actually would recommend people who like arts and crafts and like that kind of stuff in magic to just buy it just for the admiration of the ingenuity of how it's constructed. It's, it's insane. Um, it, I think it's actually cooler. Like it's almost cooler than oh, showing the actual sure. trick. I'm sure a lot of those things are. So anybody that buys one and recreates it and builds it, send us a video uh, on yeah. our Instagram, and anybody who looks good enough, I will send you and share with you um, all the secrets of Rob Baljunas's past, um, oh, his histories and his yeah, his that's lore. A good, that's a good offer. Yeah. Um, the uh, yeah, I think that's all the stuff that I've bought recently. Uh, yeah. So we should talk about what we saw. Yeah. So we um, uh, uh, last night, August fifth, I finally saw uh, Helder Guimaraes' show through the Geffen Playhouse, the present. When did you see it? You saw it a while ago. Oh, that's July when I, that's, that's when I was in that job. Yes, yeah, so you did not mid July, uh, July eighteenth. Um, yes. How was your memory of the show? Uh, good. Quite and good. Did, uh, did Eric watch it with you? Yes, he did. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, so I saw it last night. Uh, it's it's. Right. Oh, oh! He's showing me the the, the Matrix thing. Oh man! <laughs> yeah. That, that. Um. So you saw it last night. Did your whole family watch? Yeah, the three of us did. Me, my my mom, and my dad. Yeah. Nice. Um. And you had a table in front of you for. We did. We did it at my dad's desk. Yeah. They send you for anybody that doesn't know. Um. They send you this uh, pretty nice looking, I think, package. Uh. About a week before your show. Mm-hmm. With specific instructions not to open it beforehand. Um, it's very interesting. This was there are a lot of Zoom Magic shows. Some have come, uh, some some have kind of gone away and sort of lost a little bit of steam. But some are still going, and you can still find them. A lot of people are working on steam. This really felt like the first. They dived on top of this really fast. I mean, the first set of shows were in March, I think, right? I, I, um, yeah, March, April, something. March, like April, that. but but the, just the 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 scale of, of you know like getting the show out and sending this back, like all this stuff came together really, really, really quickly. Um, so, uh, yeah. And so then, I mean, I couldn't even, by the time I found out about it, it, either of us found out about it, the first run was sold out and we had to go, we had to wait until they announced future shows. Um, and then I remember, you know, waking up at 9am on whatever Monday they were selling those tickets. And, um, uh, and then 20 minutes later, that run was sold out too, because yeah. each, um, each, show limits itself to 25 uh, laptops. So it's very, very, very small. Um, So I guess my, my, what were your expectations going into the show? What did you like? Um, Especially if this is fair or not fair to the show, you know, just kind of where we were, what were your expectations like maybe a few months ago when you heard about it, we're trying to get tickets versus now when you've seen a, you know, a thousand and one live stream shows when you've been in a live stream show with baby wants candy, um, yeah. things like that. Like kind of, you know, at this point now it's not April anymore. We, the, our IQ for zoom and shows and all of this kind of stuff is much higher than it was a few months ago. I think it still surpassed that stuff though. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't, I haven't seen many magic shows 
on Zoom. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen Taylor and Nick's uh, Live from the Shed. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I haven't seen that much, actually. And uh, actually, thinking back to, like, the the memory of, like, doing, like, Nick's Charlie Chaplin trick on the Shed quarters, it l- literally feels like two years ago that I did right. that. Right, I know. Um, so I didn't have strong expectations or preconceptions about what the show was going to be like. I did think that because it was associated with the Geffen, that it would be something a little more uh, ambitious in terms of production value, mm-hmm. which I thought it was. I mean, it was, um, it was a, you know, a zoom show that has a live cameraman, a camera person right. is, is was- going to be more, elevated than a typical zoom I show. was thinking about that as it was happening. I, I, I wonder, I mean, if, yeah, if there's, cause I believe he's doing the show from his home. Um, I would assume. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Um, I'm actually, I'm actually not sure about that because, um, honestly the set design of the, the look of the tableau that he was in front of actually mm-hmm. reminded me of the show that we saw at the Geffen. Um, I forget what that was called. Invisible tank. Uh, in and of itself is what it was called. Um, <laughs> you just set me up for that joke. No, no, no. I just thought of that. <laughs> um, no, it reminded it reminded me of that a little bit in terms of it had like a mid century. It, it was it felt cleaner. That, so I mean, it's either he's doing it at like the Geffen, mm-hmm. and they've got a camera person there, or he's got a whole tech setup and a camera person comes over and shoots it. So I mean, either ways, right? Uh, I and um, yeah, the, the setup to the show, the uh, the the. The setting, the the set, uh, as you call it, is um, pretty simple, pretty elegant. Though it's very nice. It's um, mm. there's a Thurston poster. There's a lot of these uh, um, sort of books and stuff. It, it's sort of like um, elegant, messy kind of. There's like stacks of books and items. And um, yeah. as uh, uh, as as Paul F. Tompkins said in one of his specials about the Magic Castle, there's magic themed bric-a-brac everywhere. <laughs> um, and. Uh, uh, yeah, I I was definitely I wasn't. I mean, I think that Helder Gomez is a great, great, great card magician, and so I knew that we were going to get some really, really good card magic. I was curious to see uh, because it was so fast. Um, yeah, what this was going to like, how much this was because this is directed by the same person as his uh, previous show, Invisible Tango. Yeah, um, Frank Marshall, I believe Gary Marshall. Frank Marshall. Frank Marshall. Gary Marshall. Frank Marshall. Uh, Frank Marshall. So I knew it was it's still a Gavin show. And and uh, one, I, I'm happy that they're doing it too because I think any uh, any show that's supporting, you know, that that's that's directly helping out live the theaters uh, is great. Um, and I'm sure this has been great for the Geffen. Um, there, you know, it's funny. My my parents were joking about it before the show because we showed up about 25 minutes early into the Zoom room, mm. the Zoom lobby. Did and you, there's you met, somebody. Did you meet Tori? Uh, or no, we from met the house, Adam, house. I think was his name. Um, okay. and so, but yeah, but there's a person who checks everybody in and he makes sure that you have the name. He kind of checks that your lighting's okay, that he can see you, that he can hear you because you will be talking during the show or you'll most likely be talking during the show. Um, he makes sure that you don't have like a zoom background on cause it kind of messes up. He makes sure that you're not on a TV, all the things that just kind of would really put a halt to the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure have happened dozens of times. Um, and, uh, and it's funny because he basically just sits there. He says hi to you, checks you in, makes sure you have the box. He does goes through all this rigmarole. 
Um, and then he waits for another person to show up, and he does this like 30 times, just, like two and a half minute thing. My parents at one point joked, like, man, like that job sucks. And I was like, if someone paid me to do that right now, I would fucking take it. I would oh, love yeah. to do it. He had a cocktail in his hand. He was doing fine. He looked yeah. nice. He had a job in theater right now. Um, yeah. So, like, uh, so good for them for, for finding a way to keep people employed. Um, and I think that the first thing I want to say about the show, uh, I don't know if I said this, this clearly in a, for Invisible Tango, but I do think it is. I think more magic shows should be like this. So even at its worst, if I have criticisms about the show, which I, you know, I have some, um, I think it is still like above average as far as magic shows go. Like, you know, I knew I, wa- yeah. I knew I was going to get something good. I knew I was going to get something that I wish more magicians were in the vein of doing. I knew that the magic was going to be of a quality that I wish I would see more often than I do. Um, not to say that like, all magic is low quality, but I, I just knew that this was going to be um, good. Uh, I knew this was going to be thoughtful, even if I was going to have problems with it, even if I you know, wasn't going to like all of it. I, I knew that this was still going to be towards the end of the bell curve of, of the pl- where places where I want shows to go. Well, you that, can that's tell kind of where that, I was going uh, in. Yeah, I mean, you can tell that Helder has a... His aesthetic is leaning towards. I mean, it's the Geffen is a perfect fit for the kind of stuff that he wants to do. Yes. Um, and uh, you know, like in our current climate, I did. We logged into the Zoom, and I was like, "I am the only not white person in this yes. audience." Well, I'm, I, I'm, I'm the only sure. like not affluent person. You know, yeah. That and that would. I mean, that would. If you could have, I'm sure, said the same thing about if you were in my audience. It's not but like that's, that's all the Asians the were, were, in the, were on August 5th. Um, yeah, but that's also uh, the Geffen. Yes, oh, and, that, and that's why I think, I mean, I don't think it was like Magic fans or big fans of Helder that were selling out the show so quickly. I think it was the Geffen's, you know, enormous list of patrons in, yeah. you know, West Westwood and Brentwood um, that, <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, that were just bored and tired and $80 is nothing to them. And so, you know, those tickets yeah. went tickets went put, like that. Put it this way: there's a fair number of people on that Geffen mailing list that uh, are not vaccine fans. That's my guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, yeah, I thought yeah, I will say that. Well, actually, so I was thinking about this: if we were like a movie podcast, we could pretty freely talk about what we thought about a movie, and if we wanted to, we could put up like a spoiler tag. And be like, okay, now if you don't want to hear about the show, um, and I was thinking, yeah, what if we did like fifteen minutes and sort of general shit? Because the only thing, because I'm pretty sure the show's sold out. I don't know if they have any plans to extend it, but I just don't. Yeah, I, I, um, let's put on a clip. Let's talk I, I think they, generally. Well, and then the thing find is, a, I think they, I think they actually explicitly ask us not to talk about the show, right? Oh, did they? I think that, they might have, but also like it's it's an odd thing of like. I agree with it, but I also think it's a little precious that magic in general gets to be like, don't tell anyone any fucking thing about my show. Right. That's fair. Um, I will say that, and this is because this is like, I guess like a mild spoiler, but like based on the package and based on it being a Geffen show and based on whatever I did actually. And I will say based on the Derek Dogadio show, Mm -hmm. um, I was surprised that the magic in this show was of a certain genre, like the whole time, <laughs> like it was cards. Right. Um, and it was but cards, then I shouldn't have been surprised because Invisible Tango was cards, cards, cards. 
Yeah, I mean, I think anything Helder does is going to be cards, cards, cards. Yeah, um, that's the, the name. Of, that should be the name of his next show. Cards, cards, cards. Cards, cards, cards. And the picture is him like shrugging his shoulders, making a silly yeah. face, and cards are raining down. Uh, I should go into graphic design. Uh, yeah, I definitely. I mean, you know, it's funny. A uh, friend of the friend of the podcast, Simon Cornell. Um, he saw it really early. He saw it in like April. Uh-huh. Um, and and he, he was saying like, okay, it shouldn't be a spoiler to say that in this box you get a deck of cards. Yeah, um, yeah. And so I was, uh, uh, you know, I've seen a lot of magic of like do the magic in your hands, um, uh-huh. and uh, this had one of those. Um, and I thought it was, uh, uh, well, we can kind of go through generally some of the stuff in the show, but I think um, there was a moment early on with the sort of do it in your hands thing. Um, that was pretty astounding. Um, it was one of the earlier things he did. It was like the second or third thing he did. Um, but we all, you know, kind of fucked with our cards. That's uh, uh-huh. how I'll say it. And then he just knew some stuff about each person in the audience. Yeah, I think um, that's I think that's how um, Erdnace in one of the books said, just fuck around with the cards. Just to fuck around with the cards. We all fucked <laughs> around a bit. Um, and and I, I, I it, it got like, I... the. It was the this like one I, of the first things you did in the show. Yeah, this was because the, the, the there's a there's a pretty good sand, clean sandwich trick um, uh-huh. early on, and then yeah. yeah, everybody in the audience except for one person is just kind of you know he's giving you general instructions about what to do with the cards. Take a few right. cards from take a few from from the middle from the bottom, etc. We're cutting. We're doing this, and then, um, <laughs> I, and then I, I, it's funny. I'm amazed that that fooled you. I, I mean, it was good, but I'm just amazed that it fooled you based on some of your own repertoire. <laughs> we must be talking about different tricks. Um, <laughs> we can, uh, off the uh, off mic here. because I think it's just like the, the, there was a moment. Um, there's a moment where he goes down the line of a bunch of people asking them a question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and is the that moment the part I, that that effect fooled you? Um. Here, I'm gonna say I have to say I have to say yes. The reason I'm gonna say yes is because I clearly know how it worked, but I could yeah. not retrace exact like I I couldn't retrace when I did the thing that he knows I would have had to. Right, 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 right. It's and funny because moment- I, like that when that section started, I knew literally like three seconds in. I That's was like, so funny. Oh. <laughs> but yeah, I think it, it's it, only because um, it's in a category of, I will just say it's in a category of effects that I can perform, which means, <laughs> so I'm very familiar with this little small circle of effects. Honestly, any effect that you can send a person a deck of cards and have them perform, then that's a, that's an effect that Chris Grace can perform as well. <laughs> fair enough. Arguably, um, you know what I did in his show, I performed it. I'm the one that did it. So, you know, fair. Uh, where's your cut? Yeah. Uh, um, I will say that I think that this show um, I, I actually don't want to disparage the show at all. I think the thinking in this show is excellent. Oh, I think, um, well, first off, get it, we'll get into thinking. As far as the themes of the show, I actually think that this was a more successful show than Invisible Tango. Um, ah. Because I, I, could think, see that. I think that the idea of this isn't, I don't think, to talk about like what he's talking about. Well, it's funny. Both shows are not maybe not centered around, um, but heavily feature the same event in his life. Yes, um, and I actually thought, I, for a second I thought like I was wondering how much of the script was repurposed, but it's really not. 
Um, yeah, so he starts off talking about an accident he was in when he was 11, being hit by a car, and explaining why, how this is not the first time he's to be in quarantine. Invisible right. Tango, it goes in a different direction, um, but uh, there's also heavily features um, this accident when he was 11 years old. Um, I think that anytime you're in a magic show, I think the idea of um, mystery, quote unquote, which is all Invisible Tango is about, finding mystery, loving mystery, accepting mystery, um, mm. is really hard to land in a meaningful way that doesn't feel like a magic show script, um, personally. I think it's a really, really, really difficult thing. Yeah. Um, I just think I it's find, very, very... I find it, honestly, I find it to be a thing that it's like... Uh, it's almost like a trope, and it's like, yeah, yes. we all agree that ma- mystery is great. <laughs> you yes. know, I, I just think it's very, very difficult. I don't even think he. I mean, when I saw Invisible Tango, I wasn't like, oh, mystery again. Here we go. This is boring. I yeah. didn't care. I thought it was fine then, but I think in con- but now seeing him do two similar esque shows, yeah. you know, both with both very similar tones, very similar cadences and rhythms. Um, I think though that uh, right now, especially. Um, this whole show was all about the time he was in quarantine previously, and then became a story about how quarantine can lead to really lead to really relevant self discovery um, yeah. that you wouldn't have had otherwise. And I think that really landed, um, and I think that's such an easy thing for a hundred percent of his audience now to be able to relate to. And so I think those themes landed, I you know, um, in a way that that. I'll, I'll, that'll stick with me with this show more than Invisible Tango did. So I have to give him credit for that. The uh, My favorite moment from Invisible Tango, uh, which involves something to do with the set, um, the, the thinking that went behind that moment in Invisible Tango that I really loved is similar to moments in this where uh, I actually was, for a lot of this show, I was kind of just more in admiration of the way that he and the director Frank Marshall have thought about the bounds of what the the project is. Um, you know, yeah, there's something um, John Armstrong in a workshop he did, and um, actually, I was thinking about this. I would love to have, um, I would love to interview some more people on this podcast that are all doing public recurring uh-huh. Zoom shows. I'd, I'd, be, I'd be interested to see, to interview several people about their discovery in online shows. But something he said, and I've heard, seen him say it publicly on Facebook and common threads, people are debating about online Zoom shows, virtual shows, is he said the secret is is you you treat Zoom as a feature and not a bug. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And his workshop was a lot of, previously, I know he's doing another one soon, which I don't know if it's exactly the same, we'll still probably have very similar information. Um, about a third of it was all about magic to be done over Zoom. That wasn't just something that you could do over Zoom, but something that was strengthened by the idea of being on Zoom. And he goes, yeah. that's when this becomes its own experience and not something that is just sort of like inherently devalued a magic show, but we're settling for this. I think yeah. this show uh, also had that. I think it had, you know, I, I, I don't, if you're seeing the show, I don't want to spoil what it is. And I guess they'll, I don't know, we signed some kind of NDA uh, by, by buying a ticket. Who knows? But yeah. They're, they're one of the climatic, the, the 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 easily the most memorable piece of magic in that show was. Um, I don't think it was. Uh, yeah, it was 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 a was a kind of trick that is much more impressive on Zoom than what could be done live. I'm for sure. Um, and in you, fact, wait, you're saying it was more impressive on Zoom? I think the I think that trick worked 
as successfully as it did because. Oh yes, yes. Actually, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Um, I, you know, he and uh, uh, and Derek when they did the show together, um, uh, nothing to hide back in I want to say 2013, maybe 2014, around then. That was when they did two solo shows on stage at the same time. Yeah, I believe so. Um, <laughs> that, 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 that's my recollection of it as well. Um, they uh, uh, they had an effect, a pretty notoriously famous effect. That's kind of like the effect of the show um, with a cigarette box where mm-hmm. somebody hid an empty cigarette box outside of the theater anywhere they wanted to, um, you know, make sure no one's following you, hide it in the most obscure place where only you will know where it is, where you're going to walk straight into that alley. And then somebody, you know, and then in this very magical looking way, a cigarette box appeared in the theater. Um, three cards are selected and marked in very specific ways. Cigarette box disappears. That person is asked to go get that cigarette, uh, that cigar box. And those things are in there. This was similar yeah. to that, but it kind of, um, I think, you know, yes, they went through every every possible way to convince you that nobody was following them, no one was taking them around. But the idea of like, there's, you know, 25 people here from somewhere around the country. I don't know where you are. You have a deck of cards. Go hide that deck of cards. I think really, I, I just, I just think even psychologically, even subconsciously, the barrier was so much thicker. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And we yeah. can, you know, in a way that I think really, really like somebody, yeah, somebody, something happens to somebody, like something gets to him in a way that's impossible. And it's, it's, yeah. It's, that was, it was, I went, when, again, when I realized that was about to happen, when he was setting that up, and I, I went, fuck, that's really, really, really smart. And that, again, um, is, is using Zoom and using the medium um, as a, like, this is something we can do right now because of this medium and not just a show full of stuff that was like, well, I'd love to show this to you if you were here, but you're not. Yeah. Um, I actually haven't uh, cracked it open yet or gotten it out of my little storage, but I do have his latest book from last year or the beginning okay. of this year. Uh, and I actually kind of want to do look at some of the, because I wasn't, there were a couple of routines in there. There was actually a very uh, nice, I want to say Elmsley based uh trick at one point that was very simple it was near the beginning that i was like oh i this is a good like i wouldn't mind learning this little handling of this gotcha um the uh now i would say just as a measure of constructive criticism helder if you're listening (laughs) i'm sure he's not I would say it ran a titch too long for me. <laughs> oh, I think so. Because, yeah, the show is about – it says 70 minutes. It felt a bit longer. I, it felt I, like 80 or 85. Yeah, I, the show is supposed to start at 8. started a few minutes late, um, keeping the traditions of theater alive. Um, <laughs> and uh, and I, I feel like we were out of there around 9.30. Uh-huh. Um, um, so and I have a suggestion. Tell. I have a suggestion for what to cut. Oh. I, I think we're going to have the same thing, to be honest with you. Put it, let's put it this way. I would cut the same trick that I've seen you do. Oh, yes. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, that was, um, you know, something, something that um, Simon said to me uh, when he saw the show. And I definitely, he was basically like, I could, he, he was saying that he could see where he's like, here's what probably happened. Here's probably how they were able to get the show together so fast. It's because they probably, he probably wanted to do it immediately. He was right. probably working on two thirds of the show already. Right. And then I think it became immediately, how much of this can I perfect quickly? And then what else can I do? And that's yes, again, yep. the what else can I do is, is with someone like Helder Gamera, it's always going to be good. It's not going to be bad. Um, but, uh, I, I, yeah, there's a, there's an effect in there um, um, that that is I will 
I don't know. I'm not an expert on it. I will so I'll generously say potentially a variation of a famous effect by a famous performer. Um, and, a, and, a, and, 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 and what I would call it to me, indistinguishable, like the, if the differences in method, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I would say that the, that, the, the, that section would fail the John Accardo test of like, why are you doing this effect? Oh yeah. I, sh- I, think I mean, it, it doesn't fail. It's fine. Right. It's, yeah, yeah. it's just, I wonder sometimes if, um, people who are really immersed in card magic, almost to the exclusion of anything else, I wonder if they have a uh, uh, higher tolerance for procedure in a way that I I just start to be like, oh, my God. Um, So there is a trick. um, I I think anybody anybody who's listening to this who knows about magic going into this show knows that there's going to be some form of he kind of he kind of like popularized it so i'm just gonna refer to it as his woody aragon style tarot cards oh Um, yes 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 is that um, what you think i was talking about no no no. i know you're talking about something else but as far as procedure goes um that is the only time i felt um because you're tearing up cards things are going and 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 he's giving you very specific instructions on what to do now granted the instructions are still very free and loose you make a lot of your own choices throughout the whole process but it's one of those things where the you know, there's a lot of procedure to the point where I was, I'm very familiar with these kinds of tricks. I kind of understood the method that he was doing. Cause it was just not, not through any fault of his own. I just know these kinds of tricks. Um, and I almost fucked it up because, uh, yeah. there's just a lot of things going in a lot, a lot of places and a lot of steps. Um, um, I got this from my sister and her family and they, my nephew messed that trick up apparently. Got it. Um, yeah, I almost did too. Because there's one point you go back to a pile on the table, and I kind of, you know, you because at some point you got cards in a lot of places, and I'm like, oh, yeah. which pile? And I had to, I had to in real time um, at one point two piles, one card, one has one more card than another. I did physically count to make sure I was doing it with the right pile. <laughs> I feel like you take a card from one pile, and then you're like now go to the other pile. I'm like, oh, this is the right one. Um, I will say that it's a different level of audience management. I actually don't know in the real world in live performance, how many times has a magician done a in your hands trick with 25 people at once? I don't, has that ever happened? Well, so the Woody Aragon trick, um, and which is in his book, a book in English, it's the first trick in the book. Um, um, I'll say what that trick is. You tear four cards, um, put them on top of each other. You kind of mix mix them up a little bit put one card in your pocket and then you go through this ridiculous process of mixing cards around, switching cards with other people, throwing cards away. You kind of do it, you know, burn one, put one at the bottom, burn one until you have one card left. Right. And eventually the two cards match. Um, I Penn and Teller do that trick in their Vegas show. Um, right. Uh-huh. So I've tried it a couple of times um, in, uh, I've maybe tried it three times in my career in shows. Uh, and um, once is like the host of like, you know, a 200 person show, you know, once in the close up gallery and like a brunch, once at Magic Bar, I think. Um, uh, my, actually, someone else might have done it. might have been Robert Ramirez tried it once at Magic Bar. I was just there. I can't remember. But, but anyway, um, yeah, it's usually that is, a, that is a trick best for, in my experience. Penn and Teller have a good version of it. And Penn and Teller are very smart. But generally speaking, I find that is a trick best for like a small group of people. The first time I saw that trick was in 2011 in Dallas, an IBM convention that Woody Aragon was at before he was really famous. He was actually competing, won second prize, believe it or not. Um, <laughs> Who won, won first? Shin Lim. 
Um, hey. And that was the first time he busted out what turned into his Fism act um, yeah. with the smoke. Um, so it was pretty competitive. Hector Mancha was also in that same category in close-up magic. Um, Jeez. Pretty crazy. Uh, when, when Penn and Teller do that version, how many people are participating? Oh, everybody in the audience has four cards. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Um, yeah. And then when you walk in, there's barrels all across the thing with Penn and Teller cards, and it tells you to get four cards and put them in a plastic-like cup that sit in front of you for the whole show, and they call the Penn and Teller love ritual. Oh, um, cool. So then in the end, he goes, if, uh, and it's all about like finding love, and if you can do it right and the cards match, you'll find love. Uh, and at the end, he goes, now, um, uh, he goes, at the end of this, if he goes, if that trick did not work for you, it does not mean that you can't follow simple instructions. That's not what it means. It means that truly you will never find love in this life. <laughs> I love that. Uh, uh, so, so yeah, that was the, as far as process goes. Uh, yes. I think um, magicians to, to all, anyway, to circle all back to your point, magicians, I think do have a much higher tolerance for, for process. But I, I think what, what, for me, it went to things that you have to do Um like in your hands versus you were referring to a trick where he's doing something that takes a while. Yeah. Um, I think it's a great show. Uh, I don't have a ton else to say about it. I, I have one little thing I want to, a uh, philosophical thing that I want to ask you about that's separate Ooh. from that. But um, I don't know if you have anything else you want to say about there's this. There's one thing I, I, I will say, am I an asshole if I say like what it was? There was one thing in the middle with a word search. Uh huh. That kind of felt uh, that that to me was actually when, when I thought we thought the same thing that like they would maybe cut. Um, I would have probably cut that. Interesting because that's uh, that was not a card trick. It was not a card trick. So yeah, if you want to break up the, if, if 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 you want to break up the card tricks, then of course that's I think that's the only non card trick in the show. Right, right, right. Um, I didn't mind that. I, I guess I, here's what I'll say. Maybe it's my. Um, Maybe it's just my biases as a magician, but that felt the most like, like something you like read on Facebook <laughs> about like, you know, like, or it like just felt it, the most like if I were going to go see a mentalist, I might see something that looks just like this. Yeah. Um, I, I, I feel my mind when I watch stuff like that, sort of going back and forth being like, Oh, are the other people fooled by this? Like, is this fooling? Like, you, you know, I keep kind of wondering, you know, uh, right. I will say that that was an execution of a principle of mentalism that I have, I have a couple books on that I have always thought is not very effective. And I thought it was very effective the way he did it. Oh, okay. uh, um, Off my, I want to talk to you a bit more about that. Put I'm- it, put it this way. I saw it. Um, there's a principle that's behind that effect that was applied in a way that I finally, that's the first time I've ever thought like, Oh, I could see how that would fool someone. Right. Cause I've seen that before. It was clean. Um, and I've seen it before and just been like, oh, this is, it's very obvious what's happening. <laughs> um, and I didn't feel that way with this one. Um, uh, yes, I, that, that, uh, uh, that's, that's great. Um, um, I haven't read up too much on this particular trick, so I don't know. I'm not an expert on, on it. Um, I will say, uh, oh, what did you think about, trying to speak generally, the idea of, um, the picking numbers. The part, from where, the the part where he was like, uh, "I don't, don't, I don't believe in masks. Don't wear masks." Yeah, I thought that was um, a weird, weird mm-hmm. side thing that he went into. Yeah, and then something about living free or die. I don't know. I don't know that. <laughs> but, uh, then he's like, "I'm moving to Huntington Beach, California." <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, the picking the picking the numbers from the jar. 
Oh, really quick. And in, in, uh, yeah, uh, I was curious what your, your thoughts were on that. Um, and it's funny, in a, but before we get to that, when you said Huntington Beach, in June, I got offered a gig in um, uh, just around Anaheim. It was, a, uh, I can't remember the exact town, but Anaheim, Huntington Beach area. Mm. Um, you know, in the, in the red zone. Uh, yeah. Um, both figuratively as a source of diseases and politically. Um, uh, and they said, we, this is, was in June, mind you. She goes, this is be in July. Um, we want you to do like an hour stand-up show uh-huh. for a graduation party. There will be about 100 people there. Oh, Lord. <laughs> and um, I was like, well, and, and, and you know from a request like that, you know that there's not going to be another thing coming. It's like, oh, and by the way, here's everything we're doing with masks, social distance. Like, you know right. that's not coming. <laughs> You know, if I were to get to ask, and so I basically was like, "Well, I don't want to be an asshole, but I don't want to do this thing." So I asked for too much money, and and then I said, oh, "I'm also gonna have a writer in my contract that specifies like safety precautions, so I feel safe going to this thing." And I never mm. heard back. Oh, good. <laughs> Which is what I wanted. I didn't want to do this. I was but like, the dangerous thing is if they actually meet your price. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, um, however, you you would have been also compensated by being paid in COVID. So. Right, that's true. How's that coronavirus joke in your uh, two-man show looking now? <laughs> bad. Oh, it was bad when we did it the second time. Um, oh I don't know if I God. told you that story. We, John and was, Robert did a, a – we've talked about it on the podcast, but I just remember like the first time I was kind of – I don't know if that coronavirus joke's going to fly. <laughs> you know what? I mean, look, I'm just going to call out my own bullshit, my own privilege. In February, it didn't matter to us. Like in February, yes, yes. it was a, it wasn't – it was another one of those diseases that's in another country and not here. I agree. And it, it was um, a cheap laugh. And then in I March – yeah, it was we well, did like four days show. later. Yeah, uh, it was about three weeks later. Yeah, it was about three oh, weeks, weeks later, later. Uh-huh. and it was here. It was right around the time they were about to do a. Didn't end. Uh, they I think um, they had done a statewide state of emergency, and I don't think it was in California yet, but it was in like uh, or it was in uh, Seattle and a few other places. Yeah. we did the joke the first show. Bomb fucking bombs. And then um, Jack, who's in that show, went, again, guys, great show. Thank you for filling in so recently. I have one note for you guys. I don't think that joke. And we went, yep, we yep, we know. We yeah. absolutely know. It was, that was a joke that we didn't think about because we had such little time to prepare that second show. So we just went into it. And like right before the show was kind of one of those like, oh, we have a coronavirus joke. Oh, but do we have anything to replace where that goes, joke goes in the show? No, let's just do it and we'll figure it out later. And mm-hmm. boy, was that a mistake. Um, I've, anyway. I've, I was in the same mode. I re- distinctly remember being in a lift, uh, maybe even going to the magic castle at some point in early March or late February. And the driver was like, have you heard about this, uh, coronavirus thing? Uh, they say it's going to kill 80,000 people. And I remember telling the guy like 80, 000, I, I think you misheard. I think they meant like 8,000. Right. Uh, we were both wrong. <laughs> um, so, uh, oh, let me ask you about this philosophical, philosophical thing I was thinking about. Because, um, you know, there's a lot of debate. Uh, actually, I want to present an idea to you, and you tell me if this is something that's already been discussed ad infinitum by magicians. Okay. And the question is about, like, exposure and, um, you know, the who should you, like, reveal things that you, you know, the secrets of the things that you do 
whatever. I mean, I can tell you already that topic has been discussed at infinitum to no resolve. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the specific like angle that I'm thinking of, which is that like I'll show people this thing, and then card is sawing through the other card again. Um, and it occurred to me while I was showing people this like on Zoom or whatever, just and this is just like in casual conversations with people, and just like, hey, here's a fun thing, right? Um, there is a strong part of me and I think other magicians that wants to kind of tell people how it works. Um, and I think that I was thinking maybe this is a good way to like delineate when it's okay to reveal something or when not. And the idea is that you shouldn't be revealing the secret of something as an entertainment. Um, that, if they, if it's a person that's wanting to learn something or they want to purchase something or they actually like want to like pursue magic, um, then it's obviously there's tons of people revealing things in that context. But there is also the, the thing I have felt, which I don't know if other magicians feel, which is sometimes you do something and it's kind of like received with a just kind of like, oh, whatever. And then there's a party that wants to tell them what you did so that they think you're cool. Right. Um, and I think that is probably not a good reason to expose something. Right. Um, now, is this That's something people talk about or not? <laughs> um, I mean, probably, absolutely. Like, that kind of conversation has absolutely taken place. Um, and I think, yeah, the, the, I think that it's always a, a question of, like, drawing a line behind um, uh, what... Um, yeah, like wh- what type of uh, investment, what type of like commitment has somebody made to appreciating or wanting to advance magic or understand magic or learn magic in a serious, committed way to like, oh, this is the kind of this is the sort of person that you can justify showing something to. And I think that, like answering that question and answering where like how committed you need to be, how interested you need to be, etc dictates where people think that line should be drawn. Um, and I guess I'm, I guess I mean, um, um, I guess the way I was thinking of it was not to frame it in terms of what the audience member wants. Cause yes, there is a thing of like, do they really want to be a student or whatever, but what is the motivation for the magician revealing it? So is it to just impress somebody, even if it's like sleight of hand dexterity, you know, is it just to be like, look what, look what I can do. This is why I fooled you because I can palm this card or whatever. Right. Um, I don't know. I feel that urge sometimes to be like, look at all the hard work I did or look at, right. look at what the, you know, the method's actually more interesting than the effect. Um, yeah. I, I think people here, I think people, I think what you get is that, like, you feel this frustration because um, I think like, I think there's a lot of frustration when somebody is asked the question by like a spectator or a layman or a friend or something in casual conversation. Like, Hey, have you ever made your own trick? Have you ever made your own mm-hmm. tricks? And I think usually the way that is asked tends to like enormously devalue uh, or underestimate the amount of difficulty it takes to actually make a good magic trick, um, yeah. like from scratch. Um, that's really, really, really difficult. I mean, that was you know, in some parts, like all what my Edinburgh show was about last year was like this is like much deeper and you know much more complex than than you tend to think it is. And I think this is a really interesting thing to talk about. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I, it's interesting because I wouldn't put... Yeah, if, if on the face of it, my statement would actually like say like that you shouldn't have done stuff in your show that you did. But 
uh, which is definitely, I feel, I still have notes for you on that show. Um, <laughs> but I guess it's something it's about great time to rewrite that show. <laughs> you got lots of time. Yeah. I, I guess it's, I, I guess I'm speaking to something in me that is like a little bit craven about like, if the, if an effect doesn't get the response I want, there's another part of me that's like, yeah, but I could also rip, pull back this extra layer. So then you're at least impressed by the machinations behind the effect. And sure. I think that for me, at least might be a good rule of thumb to like, not do that. Um, like a, a, a quick, nice, easy way to think about, Oh, should I continue talking about this <laughs> to someone or not? So that if I show somebody this on zoom or whatever, and they're just kind of like, Oh, that's cool. Like just to leave it at that and just be like, that's fine. You right. know? And and also, you know, in my life, especially with uh, a lot of my like comedy friends who enjoy magic, um, actually very few of them want to know how stuff works. Um, yeah, me as well. Uh, I think that uh, yeah, I see what you're I see what you're getting at. Um, I uh, I think it's getting at the whole. This is pulling at the thread of a larger sweater (laughs) which is that the idea of of almost trying to kill the part of you that wants to just impress people with magic Mm -hmm. (laughs) i know that's been talked about a lot so it's nothing new that i'm saying also i believe that magicians are guarding an empty safe yes and i think that's more representative of the fact that um magicians have very few valuables (laughs) (laughs) um yeah i think that's uh i think that's an interesting idea it's like noting when that's um like what yeah like catching yourself like when you want to do something is knowing like when not to do it yeah like knowing that restraint i actually thought about during this came up for me while watching the luke germay master class because he talks about um you know be, be trying to be a little more clear about like what you want out of your character as a magician and i actually thought um he talked about this. He talked about this, like not wanting to be like to be impressive to other people with your magic. And I thought it'd be interesting to create a character. And maybe I would like pursue this as like a direction for myself. And when it comes to magic um, of trying to be as dumb as possible and like, like not impressive or competent in any way and just like frame all of my routines and stuff like around the idea of just being like the biggest idiot that stuff happens to. (laughs) Right. I think it might be just an interesting way to like approach the routining of things to bring us full circle. I'm pretty sure that was basically Cardini. Like Cardini was like, Oh, shit happened to him and he wasn't really in control. He's a little like, kind of like this little sort of kind of tipsy guy. Um, yeah, yeah, basically like like the, the equivalent of like drunken master kung fu. <laughs> um, yeah, although that's kind of I almost feel like Jan Frisch is like that. Oh, definitely. Uh, yeah. So basically, um, I'm saying I would be like Jan Frisch. So yeah. mm-hmm. that's a that's um, a good goal. Yeah, be like Jan Frisch. Uh, I I think that it it might be interesting over the next couple months for me to like try to write some scripts or routines that are along those lines instead of ever trying to be like. You know, I've, I've, uh, I, I can watch your eye movements and figure out which letters you're looking at in this right. book or whatever. Right, right, like right. to just look for different ways to talk about this stuff. That's oh, not the moment I said diamonds, your eyebrow went up. Did you notice yeah. that? Did anybody else see it? Your eyebrow went up. Interesting. I mean, there is a part of me that wants to, I mean, I've always wanted to write scripts like, you know, 
the um like i i just don't know who this would be funny to except myself but the things of like let's summer like, let's review how we got to this point in the trick okay so i was born in 1973 <laughs> and then uh and like just go for way too long talking about my biography and how right. I got, like there's stuff like i want to write stuff like that but like i think a lot of that stuff is like would be funny to like you and maybe robert and like Magicians and audiences' eyes would glaze over as I do Yes, that. that would be fucking hilarious. <laughs> um, well, cool. I think people should see the show. It's running till October 10th. It's sold yeah. out. Yeah. I have to imagine that they get cancellations every once in a while. Yeah, probably. Um, it's definitely worth checking out. And I, actually, if you have a little household where you can have three people watch it, um, it's $80 or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like That's not unreasonable for three to... Yeah, 25, it, 30 bucks. It actually doesn't seem like there's a limit on your household. Right. Um, um, what did you, uh, um, uh, you said you, you got it for your sister. Overall, what did she, her and her family think of the show? They really liked it. Um, and, and they were actually, the trick they talked about that they were most fooled by was the uh, tearing up cards. Yeah. Um, so. I, would, I do think that was the best version of that I have seen. Yeah. Um, I think that got, went really crazy, uh, really messy, and did some things that I had not seen, and uh, there, and and I saw some, I saw some like, um, there's some Tom Rez stuff in there that I am, I think that I know of his Tom Rez stuff that I thought was, mm-hmm. uh, I could be wrong, um, that yeah. I thought was very very effective, and uh, um, so overall, uh, a well done. I would give that like a, like an A minus, um, um, if I were to, I'd things. give it a solid A because I, okay. I I thought the show was very good and I really appreciated the thought sort of above and beyond just like repurposing things for zoom. I, I mm-hmm. do think that feature, not a bug approach was very evident in this show. Definitely. Um, and yeah, I just, uh, you know, it's it, Helder's incredible with cards. So it's always just fun to watch that. Right. Even when he was, I mean, there was a one trick in the middle that had nothing to do with any zoom shit. It was just someone picked a card. He had four cards and then they all started changing into different cards and it was just really good. And, very solid. That, that's the effect I was talking about that I think is Elmsley based. Gotcha. Um, uh, and I also I got know. to see his, the thing he loves to do, which is when he turns, <laughs> I can't do it. When he turns over doubles. Yes. That he, he's always, he loves that, that thing. Yeah. That thing um, where you slide your thumb. And he does it great. Yeah. He does it great. Um, um, well, all right. I don't know when we'll be back with another episode. We can try to wrangle some guests. Yeah. I, ha- I had some thoughts on that. Thoughts on that. Um, I will also recommend uh, Tina Leonard had a good uh, interview on Vanishing Inc. We're still trying oh, cool. to wrangle her for. An I, I, I did. I did. Uh, I'll put some public pressure out there on Tina Leonard. I did send her an email. She did not respond to. I might send her cool. another email because um, she would be a dream guest. I would love to have yeah. Tina Leonard on. So, Tina, come on the show. Uh, I can offer you nothing interesting um, other than good questions, I suppose. Yeah. And our, um, our interest and our interest. Uh, other than that, hopefully we will, we will see you soon. Chris, I'll see you in book club on Tuesday. That's right. Uh, we're reading things in jars by just kid. Just kid. Yeah. Uh, and actually if anyone listening to this wants to join my online zoom book club, it's every Tuesday at 5 PM PS, uh, PST Pacific. Yes, $50 Friday. for a month. Um, yeah. Yeah. You have to buy me, um, uh, a Luke Germain lecture. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's free. We're reading things in jars by just kid, which is a great, actually I bet a bunch of magicians like that book. 
Yeah, well, I've, yeah, it's got the magical qualities to it. Yeah. And I'm behind um, on this reading, which I'm excited to get to. Cool. And let's we'll we'll see you next time. We're gonna stop this recording, and then we'll talk about all the stuff in the show. That we yeah, I'm so sorry, guys. We should have, we should have like a Patreon page where they get access yeah, to like yeah, spoiler yeah. like shit talking. <laughs> all right, we'll see you next time. All right, see ya.